Well, I'm glad to be here this morning. I hope you're glad to be here at church this morning. You glad? Come on, you're excited? Look at the person next to you say, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. You didn't do that. Look at the person next to you say, I'm glad I'm here this morning and I'm glad you're here this morning. If you know me, I'm going to make you participate. All right? This isn't the, 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 the church of the chosen frozen. Okay? Yeah, we're not, we're not frostbit and anything else. Well, we're going to continue today on our series entitled Ideal Family. We've been talking, and we've, we've had a few interruptions in this series, but we've been talking about the ideal family versus the real family and, and how we've, we all have a, a vision of what ideal family is supposed to look like. Like the first half of that video, you know, son, if you need $35,000, I'll give it to you. Oh, gosh, Dad, I love you. That's the ideal situation, right? But a lot of times the reality is the second part of that video. <laughs> and it's sad to say, but sometimes we live in that reality, right? And so, but there's nothing wrong with having an ideal image or an ideal picture of a family. I think it's something we all need to shoot for. Amen? We all need to have a goal that we're shooting for. We all need to have a vision of what our family is going to look like 10, 15, 20, 30 years down the road. Men, you need to have a vision for what your marriage is going to look like 10, 15, 20 years down the road. What are you going to do when the kids move out? Hopefully you say, party! Right? Peace and quiet. That comes after the party. But today we're going to talk about generational gaps. And in, in, in our society today, there's a huge generational gap between the older generation and the younger generation. Wouldn't you agree with me? The older generation doesn't understand the younger generation, right? An old man sees his daughter walk up and she's got a, a, an earring in her tongue. He just will not ever understand that. Okay, or she has one in her nose, or her his grandson comes back with this weird looking tattoo, and he it's and he's got these skinny tight jeans on. The older generation's not gonna understand. It's like, son, why are your jeans so tight? You need to breathe. But we've got this gap, and then the younger generation doesn't understand that the older generation doesn't tweet. The only tweeting the older generation knows about is when in the morning when the birds are tweeting outside and they wake you up when you try to sleep in. Right? They can't understand that you don't have an Instagram. Exactly. The, the funny thing is I'm caught in this weird place in between the both. Number one, you'll never see me in skinny jeans. If you do, call my pastor. There's something wrong with me. Okay. But I don't have an Instagram. I'm not on Facebook. I don't even know how to tweet. I can text. Woohoo. I printed something from my phone the other day. Come on. Give me some love. I'm moving up. But there's a, there's a strange gap between generations. And the Bible talks very clearly about this gap. And gives us warnings and instructions and encouragement on what to do with this gap. Because this gap isn't healthy. It isn't healthy for society today. It isn't healthy for America that we've got this gap. The Doug Commander Phil Robertson said that the greatest thing wrong with America today is that we've lost generational authority. 
The younger generation doesn't respect the older generation. And they don't understand the authority. He said this. He said, the blessing that I have is that my sons honored me. And my grandchildren have honored me. And he said, so now my great grandkids understand me. And they understand my authority over this family. He said, that's a tremendous blessing that I have. When my great grandkids come around, they still see me as Papa, the great. Not as the old fart that sits in his chair all the time. Right? Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 5. I want to take you through some of what the Bible says about this generational gap and how we're supposed to line things back up. And I believe as the church, we should have this. And this should be really strong in our lives. We should really have this down pat. And we should be an example for the rest of society. Amen? I believe the church should be changing the society. I believe the church should be changing the culture. Amen? Amen. Not the culture changing the church. Right? But we got to get back to the basics. We got to go back to this word and sometimes remind ourselves of things that maybe we're out of line in. Come on, it's always refreshing to go back to the truth and hear the truth and go, man, you know what? I slipped. I've been slipping a little bit because it's easy to slip, isn't it? So 1 Timothy chapter 5. Verse 1, it says this, never speak harshly to an older man. Stop. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that respectful? Never speak harshly to an older man. Listen, if, you, if, your, son face, if your son's face needs to be slapped, let him come talk harshly to me. I'll knock his teeth on the other side of his face. I disrespected my mama at the age of 16. She raised me by herself. We're leaving church. We're in the church parking lot. And she did something. And I just. (laughs) And my mama was a big, boned, beautiful woman. And her hand came across that car and went. I mean, I had to put my jaw back in place. It was like. And so I'm, I'm, you know, 16, trying to be big and bad over there. What you slapped me for? He says, never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would to your own father. Talk to younger men as you would to your own brothers. Verse 2, treat older women as you would your mother and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sister. That's the kind of respect we're supposed to have for one another. The crazy thing is that we can't look at our our modern day culture or sometimes even our own families to get a good example of this because sometimes our families are out of line. Sometimes the brothers and the sisters can't stand each other. Right? Sometimes mamas and daughters don't like each other. Sometimes fathers and sons, they just don't like each other. But we can find it in God's word, right? We can see it here in God's word. You ought to be able to see it in this spiritual family we call church, right? 
You ought to be able to see your pastor treating younger women as his own sister and older women as a mother or as somebody that I look up to. Amen. One of the greatest joys I've had is me and Miss Mary got to go pray for somebody in Crowley one day. So she got to ride in my big old F-250 four-wheel drive crew cab and we're cruising down to Crowley and we're going to pray for this man and we're believing that God's going to raise him from the basically the dead. And she's telling me all of her old war stories in the, from her gospel days when she used to stand up on boxes and preach on street corners and, and all these things. She used to ride motorcycles. And, all. and so me and Miss Mary, we had like just an incredible time. And I'll forever cherish that in my heart. I don't know if she had as much fun as I did, but I had a blast. We're going to do that again, Miss Mary. But I enjoyed that. And I look up to Miss Mary and I respect it. Yes, I'm the pastor of this church. So what? She's older and wiser than I am. Amen. Go with me to Titus chapter 2. A few books over. Real quick, Titus. If I can find it. A few books over. That's why you laughed, didn't you? Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 2, it says this. It says, teach the older men to exercise self-control. What what does our younger men today need? What does our younger men today need? What do our boys coming up need? You can speak in church. What do we need? Self-control. There's a long list of things that that the the next generation needs. You know what they're saying about the younger younger boys these days or the the older boys about to walk into manhood. They're supposed to be in the manhood. They basically call them just boys who shave. Because they never move out of their house. They never go get a job. They never do anything on their own. Right? They're they're, they're in their mid-20s pushing 30. Don't have a serious relationship with a woman or girl. Right? And they're, they're still playing video games for several hours in a day. Don't act surprised. That's reality. You've heard my story about when I went to the high school to bid a job a couple months back. And the recess, the bell rung, and all these boys come walking out. These strapping young boys. And I was like, hey, this is pretty cool. And they walked by. And it's funny. They all had their book bags on their shoulders, which we never used to do. And as they walked past me, I looked at them and they had like SpongeBob book bags and they had like. And I went, can I just tell you something inside of me said that ain't right. Are you with me? It's not the cartoon character that I'm preaching against this morning. It's the attitude. When I was that age, I was trying to look mature. Right. Right. I mean, I was trying to get a couple scars on my arm. When we played football games, I would count my bruises and show all my friends. Man, look, I got some bruises. In my day, if I'd have wore a SpongeBob book back to school, <laughs> I'd have had to move out the state. Teach older 
Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect, to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Similarly, teach the older women to live in the way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Quit drinking. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands as the, and their children. To live wisely and be pure. To work hard in their homes. To do good and to, to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. You see, there's got to be a touching point between the, the older generation and the next generation. Are you see, it's like we've come unplugged. You with me? We've become unplugged. And now the older generation does what it has to do. And the younger generation does what it has to do. And we have a divided house. And the, the older generation has a vision of how America needs to go. And the younger generation has a vision of how America needs to go. And they're not the same. Right? I shared with you last week about how I was at Subway. And I saw this girl walk in. And her girlfriends were saying, you know, you, you got some extra money? And she's like... Uh, what you need? She's like, I need 15 cents. She's like, oh, girl, I threw all of my change in the garbage. My grandmother would roll over in her grave if I did that. My grandmother pinched every penny she had because she knew that there was a depression coming around the corner. Right? I go, man, what's, what's happening? Didn't anybody teach her? And then my son turned around and did the same thing. Took some, he went to the store, got a bag of ice. He walks out, throws his pennies up in the air in the parking lot. I'm like, talk about back at you. <laughs> there needs to be a reconnecting of the next generation with the older generation. I had the privilege years ago of going to the nursing home in Jennings. Pastor Bubba used to preach there once a week. And I had to go fill in for him. And, and I didn't know what to prepare to, to teach these guys. I mean, these older people. I, I, just, I was like, what can I give to them? I mean, I know God's word and I can talk about scripture. But, but really to give them something life changing, what can I give? They have more than I have. And can I be honest with you? I went there almost intimidated. But when I got there, I saw the older generation was defeated. They were just defeated. They'd given up. They got, they got brought into this room to hear this young guy tell them about the word of God. And he was like, I mean, literally, this was the look on their faces. I used some of my best jokes. It didn't work. I left there sad. Because you see, if the older generation never gets a chance to give what they've gained over the years to the next generation, they'll eventually feel unwanted. They'll eventually feel defeated. They'll eventually feel worthless. Right? I mean, if you silence somebody long enough, eventually they just die. It's sad, but it's true. The culture today labels the older generation as discounted. Discounted. Their value is not 
what it used to be. You know, what's funny is that you go to Japan and you go to these other countries, though they got a lot of wacky things that they do. They respect and honor their older generation. They take well care of them. They take very good care of the older generation. I mean, they make their last years their best years. And they treat them with respect and with honor. And they understand they haven't discounted the older generation. And we need to take a lesson from that book and say, man, we need to do something about that. Especially here in the church. The Bible says you older women need to be teaching you younger women. He never said you need to go chase them. He's basically saying you younger women need to go find the older women and glean from their wisdom. Glean from their experience. When your marriage isn't quite what it needs to be, you need to go to an older woman who's had a successful marriage and say, hey, I need some help. Right? If you're a young businessman and you're struggling in business and then you need some help, you go find an older businessman that's been successful and you say, hey, man, look. Talk to me. The older generation of saying, I don't have anything. The base guy asking the question, do I have anything left to give? And if I do, does anybody want to hear it? Isn't that sad? Doesn't it just break your heart that we've become that way in America? America the Great? You know, what's funny is when you turn 50, they start trying to push you out the way. They start telling you, you need, to, you, need to, you need to go buy, you need to take some of that money you've made over all these years and you need to go buy you an RV. And you need to go to these KOA campgrounds and, you know, go see the country. That's what you need to do. That's what the culture is saying to the older generation. You need to just stop and let us, let us younger folk handle this. Let us do this. Let us run the country. Let us, let us run this business. Pushing them out the way. I'm not just talking about retirement from your vocation. I'm talking about retirement from life. Yep. Are you hearing me this morning? Your last years are supposed to be your greatest years. Amen. Come on. I want to go down swinging. I know you will, Miss Mary. She's swinging now. I ain't scared. We can learn from her. Amen. You know, when you read the Bible and you read, especially in the Old Testament, about the old patriarchs and how they ended their life. I mean, they went till they couldn't go anymore. There was no retirement. What's retirement? Now, did when they got older, did life get a little bit easier physically for them? Probably so. It ought to. But they went until they had nothing left in the tank and they just could lay in a bed. You look at Billy Graham. It's one of my heroes. He preached the gospel until people around him made him stop and he couldn't physically do it anymore. And the old man, they used to sing all the hymns with him. I'm going, man, that's, that's two of my heroes. Go with me to Psalms 71. Because the Bible never tells you to check out or to go play once you get past 50, does it? Does it? I've never read that verse. 
It says once you turn 50, you can Cadillac cruise. Take it easy. Psalm 71, starting at verse 17. Listen to this. Oh God, you have taught me from my earliest childhood. And I constantly tell others about the wonderful things you do. Now that I'm old and gray, do not abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. That should be our prayer. Lord, don't turn your back on me and don't let me turn my back on you. Let me continue to proclaim your goodness to this next generation. Don't let me stop. Let me tell them, let me tell the next generation stories about what used to happen in my day. That's what I loved about hanging out with Miss Mary that day was that she told me old stories, just spirit moving, people getting healed, the power of God touching people. And I'm just like, wow, man, I want that. I want to see that. I want to be a part of that. I want to feel that. I want to breathe that. If she'd have never shared that with me, I'd have probably never known about that. You hearing me? I want what they got. You see, my, my vision for my, my kids is that wherever I leave off, the day that I rest and the day that I stop, okay, whenever I get to that point, my vision for my kids is that when I get there, they take off from there and go forward. Are you with me? Not they're trying to catch up, not they've passed me up, not anything else. They don't have to come back and bury daddy. They come and and they're with me and I pass on and I go to the next place. And then from there, they take off elevated, not having to redo what I've done. Are you with me? But they take off from where I left off and they go. They take off with my faith. They take off with my stories. They take off with my experiences with God. Are you with me? They take off from my reputation. Right? They take off where I leave off. And they run with it. It's like a passing of the torch. When I die, I hand it to them. I say, here you go. You know what to do. Just do what you saw me do. That's the words I want to be able to say. Just do what you saw your mom and your daddy do. That's the way to go out. So for you older generation, let me give you one little piece of advice. If you're not dead, you're not done. Amen. Amen. If you're not dead, you're not done. In God's book, you're not done. So what does that mean? How does that flesh out? How does that look practically? That means you need to get involved in a local church. If you're not involved in the local church, you need to get around some young folk and make yourself available. Amen. You need to not let them push you to the side anymore. You got more authority than they do. Meshach, you've been here longer. Right? You need to do like my mama did. If they don't listen, pop. I ain't been popped on the back of the head in a long time. I probably deserve one right now. But if you're not dead, you're not done. Instead of resenting the next generation, you need to disciple the next generation. Amen? 
There's something you can do. Every one of you can do something. Something. Don't stop. If you're in a place and you're not doing anything for the kingdom of God, don't stay there. Amen? Don't stay there. Going back to Titus chapter 2. You getting something yet? It's got to be good. You're being quiet. I was always told if you're quiet, it's good. So praise God, it's good. All right, I'm confident now. Titus 2, verse, chapter 2, verse 2 says, Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect, and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure and to work in their homes, to do good and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. So number one, the next generation will not know God if you don't show God. That's point number one. The next generation will never know God if you don't show God. Come on. What does that look like? If the next generation never sees the older generation overcome struggles financially because of the power of God. If they never get to see the older generation rely and trust on God as their provider. Then the next generation will never know God as a provider. Right? If they never learn to forgive someone else, the next generation will never know God as a forgiver. Come on. If the older generation goes to church once a month or once every month and a half, the next generation will think that God's not important. Come on. Virginia, is God important to me and mama? Don't miss. I like to be around you. You really are good looking people to me. You want to know something crazy? You're my family. I'm closer to most of you in here than I am my own flesh and blood family. There's too many L's in those words. I believe in spiritual family. Amen. I want my kids to never guess or never wonder if church is important or if God is important. I want them to see me read my Bible. I want them to see me on my knees weeping before the Lord. I want them to see those things. Amen. I want them to see mom and daddy struggling financially. We don't hide anything from them. If things are tight, we just tell them, hey, money's tight. Well, dad, why is money tight? It's just tight. But you know what? It ain't going to stay that way. And then a week, two weeks down the road, baby, we eat ice cream again. Right? Come on. It was a dry and weary land. But then the finances came through and we went to the Bluebell store. And we got hooked up and they, they saw God. And it was the Lord. But you know what? If I ever look at my kids and I get frustrated because they don't know God or I get frustrated because of the things that they do, I've got to take responsibility for that. I've got to ask myself the question, have I done what I'm supposed to do? 
And are they doing what they're not supposed to do because I didn't do what I was supposed to do? You with me? Listen, my kids don't watch MTV. My kids don't listen to secular music. I'm very careful what they they watch on TV. I'm very careful about whose house they go and sleep at. If I don't know the parents, they ain't going. And they they haven't ever said, well, everybody's going because I've got something for that when they say that. I'm going to say, not everybody, not you. But I guard that and I protect that. Why? I'm not trying to be religious, right? I'm trying to minimize the fight that I got to fight with in them. Amen. I I don't believe in outside distractions. I want to eliminate every distraction I can. Come on. Now, as they get older, I let them I let them hear things. I can't keep them from hearing curse words and all those kind of those things happen. You can't even watch TV today. Without something, I mean, Barney could be on and the commercial pops up and beep, beep, beep. It's the deadliest catch commercial. And you're like, what the heck? And because they're going to hear it one day. But they know that that's a standard in our house. That's a standard in our lives. We don't go there. Amen. I want to minimize the fight. Number two, the next generation doesn't need rules to live by. But a calling to live for. When I was young, you know what I hated about the old folk? Is that all they ever did is told me what I couldn't do. I'm serious. The day I gave my life to Jesus and got baptized, they stood us up in the front of the Baptist church I was at. Me and all my little buddies. And we're standing there and here comes all the older folks. You know, you got to go greet the people that just got saved at the end of service. You know how that is, how we used to roll. And I'm standing there and I'm like, I'm hungry. I wish they'd hurry up. And I never forget this old lady comes up to me. She goes, I guess you can't look at those dirty magazines no more. And I went, how'd you know? <laughs> but that's what it was. It was every one of them. Yo, you can't do this anymore. And you can't do that anymore. And you can't do this. And you can't go there. And you can't say this. And you can't act like that. And I went, well, dear goodness, why did I give my life to Jesus? I can't do nothing anymore. Are you hearing me? I didn't need rules. I needed somebody to look me in the eye and say, boy, there's something big for you. There's something great out there for you. And if you get serious about it, God will do incredible things in your life as a young boy. I had one great uncle. I mean, he didn't say many words, but when he said something, man, it was you could write that stuff in stone. And he always looked at me. He always encouraged me. You keep doing good. You keep doing good, son. And we, we used to pick on him because, you know, he, he had a lot of money and never showed it. He, he worked out of a Volkswagen Jetta. He put his push lawnmower in the back of a Volkswagen Jetta. He retired from Texaco with lots of money. But you never knew it. Him and his wife, they always split a plate lunch. If you got invited to their house, he was splitting it with somebody. And he was tight. Okay, but every Christmas he would come around, he'd give all the grandkids a $20 bill. And we wanted that $20 bill, but Uncle Melvin had some funny ways. He wasn't funny, but he had funny ways. He'd give you the $20 bill, and he'd pat you on the backside and say, here you go, Putin. That was his thing. And all, all of us kids, we'd be like, oh, man, here comes Uncle Melvin. I sure want that 20 but man. So we'd stand against the wall, and I don't know why I'm telling you the story, but... 
somehow or another, he was a great man in my life. <laughs> and it wasn't because he patted me on the butt. But, but he, was the type of the, he was the type of guy that he didn't have many words, but the words that he had were profound. He had been successful. Do you know when he died, the church went broke? I'm literally, the church went broke. When he died, I remember going to the hospital and he was, he was out. He wasn't even um, able to respond to us. And I went and visited him in the hospital. And he was laying there. They didn't have him covered up very well. But I, I looked at his body. And I didn't see all of his body. But the parts I did see, like his legs and his arms and his chest, it was just marred. I mean, he'd lost fingers messing with plows and working in the oil field. And, and I just looked at his body and I felt like the Lord said to me, he used his body well. He never quit. The man was 70 years old, still running around the town of Franklin, trying to bless people without them knowing about it. If you came home and your driveway was graded or you had grass seeds in your yard and all of a sudden grass started growing in your yard, you knew Uncle Melvin was there. That's what he spent his last days doing was being the hands of God. And I respect him for that. And I look up to him for that. He's one of my heroes. My best friend told me the other day when I was running from the Lord, Uncle Melvin and him, would they would grab hands and kneel down at the altar in the Baptist church and they would pray for me when I was running. That's the image of a man to me. Not afraid to pray for somebody. Not afraid to grab another man's hands, get on his knees and pray. The next generation doesn't need rules. We need a calling to live for. Tell the young people around you what they can do. And don't tell them what they can't do anymore. Take the younger women and tell them they can be a great mama. Tell them they can be a great wife. Tell them that times are tough right now while all your kids are in diapers and they don't sleep at night. But there's a day coming when they're going to sleep all night. Right? Older men, take the younger men, say, man, look, you're going to struggle financially for a couple years. But let me tell you, you just stay faithful and you keep going. You keep at it. Work as though you're working for the Lord and he will bless you and you will come out of this. Amen. Teach the teach the younger men how to treat their wives, how to raise their kids. Tell them what they can do. Tell them to read their Bible and pray. We may be one, only one generation away from losing the truth, but we're also one generation away from changing the world. And if we'll plug back in, we can do something incredible. Amen. You don't have to understand the next generation. You just need to value them. And the question is, is are you going to value them and are you going to pour into their life whether they give you an opportunity to or not? Are you going to value the next generation whether they value you or not? Because it's got to start somewhere. Somebody's got to be the big boy in the whole situation to say, okay, I'm going to value you. I'm going to pour into you whether you want it or not. You can disrespect me all you want, but I'm going to keep doing what I'm supposed to do. Right? Being a part of our, our Savior's church, I've always seen that it's Pastor Bubba's heart from day one to build this church generationally. That's why we pour so much energy and effort in the children's church and our youth programs. 
That's why we got all these young people up here leading worship. Because we believe in the next generation. Can I give you a little, a little testimony? Sumere came this Wednesday night and practiced for the very first time with five of our kids who are all taking music lessons. You're not nearly as excited as I expected you to be. And that's huge. Because we've got five kids, 13 or 14 and younger, that are taking music lessons that are going to be the worship team here one day. And going to go on to do only, only God knows what, musically. And we had our first practice this week. I'm excited. Way more than you are. They had some people do a survey and they asked the older generation, how would you describe the younger generation? And they summed it up in one word. And the word started with E. And so they went to the younger generation and did a survey and they said, the older generation summed you up or basically entitled you with one word and it starts with E. What do you think that word is? And the younger generation's response was, well, maybe it's, um, let me find my place here. Maybe it's energetic. Maybe they titled us energetic. Or maybe they entitled us um, or titled us uh, entrepreneurial. They said, no, they titled you entitled. The next generation is entitled. And you'll see this when I say it this way. The next generation believes they deserve Whatever they want now. A spirit of entitlement. I don't want to have to wait. I don't want to have to put in my hard time. I want it now. Isn't that true? Mamas and daddies, aren't that what you're dealing with in some of your, uh, isn't that what you're dealing with in some of your kids? They want it now and they can't understand why they can't have it now. They don't understand that back in your day, you had a phone that was screwed into the wall and you had to dial it. Right. They don't even know what a what a a dial tone is. Think about that. And if you if you were my age, you had a beeper. It didn't even have a keypad. It just received. It didn't give nothing. Right. And if you wanted to text somebody, it meant getting a piece of paper, sitting down at a table with a pen or a pencil and writing a letter, putting it in an envelope, put, licking it, putting a stamp on it, and putting it in the mail and waiting a couple days before it got there. The next generation doesn't know anything about that. They feel entitled. They want everything now. The next generation's first phone was a smartphone. They could contact 30 people in five seconds. Instant gratification. Right? And it's funny how that trickles out into life and in everything that we do. The next generation believes it can just go start a church and the next day 10,000 people are going to show up. They really believe that. And I'm not saying it can't, but they really believe that. They believe they can start a business and at the age of 25 be as as successful as their parents were. 
I remember one of the greatest pieces of advice I got was stop trying to be where your parents are right now. I spent every dime I had to buy a car like my mom had to live in a house like the older generation did. I was killing myself trying to look like the older generation, thinking that that was success. And somebody finally said, stop trying. Take your time. And it took me all the time that I would have to get out of debt. Right? Pastor Greg Crochelle said this. He said, you, you grossly overestimate what God wants to do through you in the short run. And you tragically over, underestimate what God wants to do through you in the long run. That's pretty good. I'm going to say that again. You grossly overestimate what God wants to do through you in the short run and tragically underestimate what God wants to do through you in the long run. So to the younger generation, let me tell you how to be discipled by the older generation. Basically, this is for every one of you who are under 40, I mean under 50. Number one, you need to walk humbly. You ought to be writing that down. Walk humbly. First Peter 5, 5 says this. It says, in the same way, you younger men must accept the authority of the elders and all of you serve each other in humility. For God opposes the proud, but gives favor to the, but favors the humble. You need to humble yourself. You need to respect the next generation. I mean, the older generation. You need to honor them. You need to, you need to watch how you talk to them. You need to get some old school things about you. You need to look them in the eye when you talk to them. Right? You need to shake their hand and it needs to be firm. And you need to look them in the eye and you need to say, yes, sir, and no, sir. Yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. Please and thank you. Come on, this is practical. This is how you start. You want an older person to give you some of their wisdom? You're going to have to work for it a little bit. You're going to have to humble yourself. Right? Because God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. You know, a a humble person thinks of others, but a proud person always thinks of themselves. And being humble is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking about yourself less. Right? It's not thinking that you're less. That doesn't make you humble. It's just thinking about you less. And thinking more about others. It's humility. Number two, you need to speak honorably. Just like 1 Timothy 5 says, be careful how you speak to an older man. Right? Don't speak harshly to an older man. He's not going to give you anything. Speak honorably. Number three, you need to pursue Jesus passionately. Pursuing Jesus passionately keeps you connected with the older generation. Because it keeps you humble. Amen. You with me? Mm -hmm. It keeps you humble. When you stay humble, you can get something from the older generation. When you're humble, you don't think that they don't have anything left to give. When you're humble, you don't think that you know it all. Amen. Amen. When I was in business, if I'd had the opportunity to sit down with some of the great heroes in business that I've had, if they'd have given me an hour of their time. I'd have stopped all heaven and earth to go spend time with them for one hour if they would have given it to me. And I would have walked in and I'd say, sir, thank you so much for giving me your time. 
I really, really appreciate this. It means a lot to me. And I would have sat there and I would have listened and I would have taken notes and I would have asked questions. And when it was over with, I would have once again said, thank you so much for giving me your time. I want you to know this means a lot to me. Why can't we do that in business and why can't we also do that in Christianity? Why can't some of us younger men go to some of the older men that are full of Jesus and full of his spirit and say, hey, man, teach me something. Man, look, I'm I'm struggling with my kids. I, I keep losing it and I don't know what to do. Can you help me? I go to somebody that's financially successful and say, hey, man, I need what you got. Can you help me? When I was in business, I had a little young guy working for us and the poor boy had one bill and he was broke every Monday. He had one bill. I was like, dude, where are you spending your money? So we had a guy hired that was a financial guru, younger than me, but I looked up to him. So I took the young guy and said, hey, you sit down with him. You're on my clock, but I'm going to pay you. Sit down with him for 30 minutes once a week and let him set your finances straight. He sat down with the guy the first day. The guy had him retiring at 35 on his current salary. The boy never went back to another meeting. So the guy that I sent him to, he was like, I'm just trying to help. You see the, the, the disconnect? And you see the effects of it? That's where we are today. Can you stand up with me this morning? Yeah. We need to plug back in. We need to get connected. We need to fill the gap. Amen? Just because I'm the pastor of the church doesn't mean I can't learn from somebody else in this church. Are you hearing me? Now, don't you all try to meet me after church and give me some of your wisdom. I might be overloaded, but you follow what I'm saying? And my prayer is that I don't ever want to be so prideful that I can't gain anything from anybody else. Right? I want you to remember we're supposed to be changing the culture, not the, church, the culture changing us. And everything that God wants to do starts in the church and it starts with a relationship. Everything that God wants to do starts with a relationship. If you're young, I encourage you to get around some older folks. If you're older, I encourage you to get around some younger folks. And let's see if we can get some iron to sharpen iron. So as one man can sharpen another. Amen. Some of the greatest times in my life were spent sitting on the porch in a rocking chair next to an older man. Listening to war stories. Listening to work stories. Just listening to those things. Greatest times. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today.